Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. I'm glad you're here on our second Sunday of 2023. Uh, We had a great week last week, just starting out the new year, celebrating God in praise and worship and just kind of soaking in his presence. And I know I said this last week, but I said it really fast because I was, the team was getting ready to lead us in that last song. But I want to say thank you so much to the team uh, that leads every week. We are blessed. Do you know how blessed we are at the gathering to have a worship team that leads us so well in worship? Amen. And uh, I want to thank specifically the team that came in last Sunday on New Year's Day before 8 a.m. to practice nine songs to be ready to lead you in worship. So we are very thankful for their team and all the teams that celebrate. Yep, give it up for the worship team. Thank you. And so we started last year or last week with worship. It wasn't last year, almost. Uh, we started with worship and communion. And there's something about these, these elements of our faith, these disciplines that strengthen us. The kind of uh, building blocks of our faith. And so we're going to be starting a sermon series today called Back to the Basics. Back to the Basics. A lot of times, you know, January is kind of a, it's a reset in some ways. Because December is great. I already miss December, but we can't eat Christmas cookies every day all throughout every single month, right? We, we, we can't spend uh, the same amount in January spending that we did in December, giving gifts to people. I think Amazon was at my door every day in December, dropping off gifts that I need to give. Uh, we, we can't stay up late every night like we did in December, maybe watching movies or wrapping gifts or whatever we did. January is kind of a, a reset. And it's a time where we get to uh, try some things like eating maybe some green leafy vegetables, Some things that are good for us, good for our health. Uh, Maybe we might try out a gym membership. Maybe lift some weights, try to to not look like the Pillsbury Doughboy all the time, right? We try to get a little toned. We might start out a little bit of a reading challenge. I've seen some of you have started uh, on Facebook. You said, I'm going to read more. I'm going to read a book a month. I'm going to read two books a month. These are great things. And these seem like basic things, right? Okay, I know I should read to educate myself. I know I should watch what I eat sometimes and maybe go for a little bit of a walk or run sometimes. These are basic things, but they help us grow in our, in our life. They keep us healthy and sustained. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that help us be spiritually healthy, the things that spiritually form us in the basics. And we're going to be looking at basics through this series like prayer and worship and fasting and communion But today, I want to start with the reading of the Word of God. Today's message is entitled, Straight Scripture. Straight Scripture. I want to explain why it's called that. So sometimes when a few of us that are songwriting, when we get together and we're talking about songs, and, you know, writing song lyrics, it can sound like, the same lyrics in every song, right? You know, there's always an ocean in every song. There's always a mountain to overcome. Like, it just can feel like that. And so sometimes we'll bring up a lyric or a line. and We'll be like, ah, it's kind of basic, you know? I think that's kind of lame. But sometimes we're like, hey, that was right from the Bible. That was straight scripture. So we're going to sing it because we're singing the words of God. And so that's where that comes from, straight scripture. If you've got your Bible today... And I hope you do. It would be a great day to get some brownie points to have your Bible as we talk about reading the Bible. But um, we've got to look to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And don't worry, we're going to have it on the screen for you if you don't have your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
Paul is the author of 1st and 2nd Timothy, and he's speaking to a younger man in the faith called Timothy. And he shares some things specifically in 2nd Timothy on being a soldier for Christ, being a worker approved by God. And then he talks about the caution of the last days. Let's read these first uh, five verses of 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, It's a lot of details, right? Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Paul has never been one to kind of, you know, ease his way around a subject. He goes right after it. And he says there are going to be people that are struggling with these things, struggling with selfishness and pride and arrogance and all these things, and they'll have the appearance of godliness, but they'll deny its power. It's kind of a scary thing to think about. It made me, as I read this, I said, God, please help us to never deny God his power and never not allow him to tell us how we should live. When we say, yeah, those are, those are okay things for some person, I, I'm okay. Oh, I, I think I'm fine. I don't need to reason or reevaluate myself. We're denying God the power to convict us of sin. Because we can appear to do the right things to others, but actually in our hearts be rebelling against God, ignoring what he tells us to do. So Paul says avoid these people, avoid fake Christianity. Avoid people who say the right things, but their actions don't line up with their words. They're like, yeah, I saw you in church, but then I also saw you at the restaurant. You were kind of mean to that waiter. You are not really nice. That was not Christ-like what you did. We cannot afford to be fake. So Paul says, to, he explains these type of people, to, who to avoid, and then let's jump down to verse 10. Verse 10 says, but you, however, have followed my conduct Sorry, my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted." So here Paul contrasts contrasts the selfish and the abusers and the greedy to how we should live as Christ followers. And it starts with following, he says, start, start with following my teaching. Living a godly lifestyle starts with following the teaching of Scripture. It starts with getting the Word of God into you through reading and learning But it doesn't end there. Because anyone can read the Bible. But Paul says to then follow also my conduct, my purpose, my faith. He's got this list. He's all about lists here in 2 Timothy 3. And we're probably with like, yeah, okay, I can follow your faith, follow your conduct. And then you read to the end and Paul just kind of slips in, oh, also suffering and persecution. 
Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't seem fair to throw that in with the rest. But what does he say? Every time that I was persecuted or suffering, he says, I endured persecutions, yet from all of them, God rescued me. Paul goes on to list out the cities where he suffered. He mentions Antioch. He's like, at Antioch, they wouldn't even let, they kicked me out of the city when I was trying to preach the word. He says in Iconium, they they threatened to stone me to death. And then in Lystra, they actually did stone me to death. But God healed me and restored me. Paul lists out these sufferings at the different cities. And then he says, all who desire to live a godly life are also going to struggle with persecution. Isn't this a great come back to church Sunday message? You know, like, hey, come be a Christian. We're going to be persecuted and suffering. Who's with me? No one raises their hand, right? But he says, no, but Paul says, but God rescued me from them all. Living a Christian life does not prevent suffering, but he promises to never leave you, to never forsake you, and it shows that we are very much in need of the word of God to get us through hard times. So our first point today, number one, God's word gives us strength. It's a very simple but powerful point. The reason that we need the word of God kept in our hearts and to to read it regularly is because it keeps us strong. It fortifies our mind from persecution and attacks of the enemy. I remember in the beginning when COVID was just starting out. We were about to close up our Sunday morning. We were about to cancel Sunday morning services. It was a very unusual time, right? We had never experienced something like this before in our life. And that Saturday night I read in Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is our very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way. If you have anxious thoughts, if you're struggling with depression, you have to read the words of life over you. Because his word is truth and it will give you strength, it will give you wisdom, it will help you to teach and parent your children. It will give you confidence to, to do your best at work. It will give you guidance in relationships, what relationships to initiate, what relationships to stay away from. You are strong when you read the word of God. It gives you strength because after Paul says that Christ's followers will be persecuted, look at what he says next. Look at verse 12, sorry, 13. He says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Notice what he says first. After he, he mentions those that are, that are evil, those that go from bad to worse and be deceived, but as for you, he says, continue in what you've learned. Continue. You know what that tells me? It tells me don't ever stop reading. Don't ever stop reading the Word of God. Don't think just because I've read the story of David and Goliath five, six, seven times that you don't need to read it again. I found the more that I read Scripture, the more I get out of it. 
If I'm willing to learn, God will open my eyes to new revelation of himself and how I can apply it in my life. There's one morning when, you know, there's sometimes that you read the Bible and you're just more invested than others. Can it be honest? Maybe that's just me. You know, I try to be invested every time. I try to pray, God, please help open my eyes, help me to focus on what you read. But sometimes it just, it feels like there's revelation just coming right off the page, right to me. There was one morning where it was just psalm after psalm. I was like, oh, that's for me. Oh, I'm applying that to my life. Oh, I'm going to take that. I'm going to stand on that. In Psalm 40, it said, it said, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. I texted that to our songwriter. I said, hey, I'm praying this over you and me, that we'd write new songs. There'd be a new song of praise in our mouth this morning. I don't know what you need from the Bible, but maybe you're you're dreading uncertainty right now. You're fearing the future, and you need to hear that God's word says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Maybe you're worried about how God is going to provide or how God is going to heal you, and you need to read what the word says. Your life will be like a well-watered garden, and they shall not languish no more. Maybe you need to feel, maybe right now you feel like an outsider, you feel like an outcast. You need to read what the Word of God says over you. It says you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're a fellow citizen with the saints. You cannot rely on what your mind tells you. You cannot rely on what the world tells you. You have to be grounded in the Word of God. Anybody awake this morning? When you read what God says over you in Scripture and you believe it, I promise you will feel strength and courage and your faith will rise up. And we need this faith. We need this strength in times of trouble. Can't rely on yourself. The word of God gives us strength because it reveals what is true and what is not. You might be familiar with a a very popular scripture about the word of God, Hebrews 4.12. It says the word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You might have heard that verse before. It's very popular. It tells us God's word is living and active right now. Powerful verse. But I want to show you what the context of of this verse is. I've read this verse, but how many times have I read it in context? If you go back... Back to verse 8, this is actually a response to an error by Joshua in the Old Testament. Let's go back to verse 8 through 11. It says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And then it goes on to say, the word of God is living and active. Here the author is saying that rest will help prevent you from disobedience. And disobedience will be brought to light through the word of God. The Word of God will tell you it's living and active. It'll cut through the areas in your heart that need to be changed. This is really good content for a message also on Sabbath and rest. I don't have time to get into all that today, but I believe the author is saying there is a correlation. 
that a day of rest should also include the reading of God's word as we enjoy that time off. It shouldn't just be to veg out and eat whatever you want, watch whatever you want. It's okay to do some of those things. If you're taking a day off, you're taking some rest, you need to also rest in the word of God. God's word gives us strength because it is living and active. You know what that tells me? That tells me that today, right now, January 8th, 2023, the word of God that was written thousands of years ago, it is still speaking today. It is still relevant today. It is still powerful today. It is still able to save you and me today. God's word was true then, it's true now, and it'll be true until eternity. When you get down in your heart these things, when you internalize them, it's powerful. Go back to 2 Timothy 3. Read this verse 15 with me. It says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Our second point today, first thing is God's word makes us strong. It gives us strength. Secondly, it gives us wisdom. The word of God gives us wisdom. There is wisdom, first of all, you see in that verse, to receive the salvation through faith in Jesus. And it helps when we are raised to learn scripture as a child. It says there, as a child, from childhood I've been acquainted with these sacred writings. It's important to get the God, God's word deep into our hearts. Um, anybody else do Bible quiz as a kid? Any Bible quizzers here in the room? I enjoyed quizzing as a, as a kid, and, and those, those scriptures that I memorized for competition, and in order to try to beat First Assembly of God on the other side, those, those scriptures that I memorized, they've stayed with me over 10, 20 years now. That's scary to think. It's been that long. But it helped me so that I was later in life, when I was in college, and I'd have doubts that said, you know what, you're too far away from God's love for you. You've messed up too much. You, you can't be. I remember what I read in the Bible when I read on those JBQ cards that says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I only know that because of junior Bible quiz but it stayed with me and thank God, it's okay if I say, um, in the middle of that. I had to learn it in KJV, okay? I had to get every word right. One time there was a point of order. They're like, I think he said heights, plural, instead of height. I was like, come on. You're going to knock me because of that? We just have to get the word of God. I'm not going to quiz you on what you know about the Bible. I'm not going to give you negative points if you get a wrong and or or. Get the word of God memorized in your hearts. And it's best, if we can, to do this from childhood. It's why when we were choosing a curriculum for our kids' ministry, we decided to choose what's called the Bible Engagement Project Curriculum. Why? Because it, we get our kids engaged in the Bible right now. In fact, I was talking to Ryan this morning. He said, hey, in the curriculum today, um, we're actually talking about giving, giving our kids a chance to accept Jesus into, into their hearts. And we may even just mention about water baptism and an opportunity for them. 
And I just feel right now led, can we just take a moment and pray for our kids? That if there's a kid right now that needs to accept Jesus into his heart, that this would be his or her moment today? Let's pray, church. God, I thank you for Ryan and Hannah and our kids' ministry and for all that they do because they want to make sure these kids know your word and know that you love them and that this church loves them. And I pray as the word of God is preached, as maybe something rises up in their hearts, that they would accept you, Jesus, into their heart. They don't have to wait till they're 9 or 10 or 12 or 15 or 18. They can do it right now. There's, there's no junior salvation. There's no junior Holy Spirit. So right now, move on our kids and bless our teachers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's wisdom. The ancient teachings, it says there. Verse 15. The ancient teachings make you wise for salvation. Let me tell you, there... There is no greater wisdom that you could have than to acknowledge that you're lost without God and you are in need of a Savior and you need to accept Jesus into your heart. You can be wise about a lot of things, that's great, but the greatest wisdom you can have is your willingness to accept Jesus into your heart. Because when we read the stories in the Bible, when we read the words of Jesus when we read the words that convict us of sin, it gives us wisdom to accept his gift of salvation. There's wisdom in the word of God. Look at what Psalm 11, 111 verse 10 says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. What's the beginning of wisdom? Fear. It means to have a reverence and a respect for God. It means you recognize the greatness of God. And then it says, all those who practice it have good understanding. That's weird to me. All those who practice it. This is the ESV version. I love it. I use it all the time. I think this is one area where they could have been a little bit more clear. So I went to other versions and this is what it says in other versions. It says, um, all those who read his commandments have a good understanding. Other versions would say, all those who read his commandments, his precepts, his instructions. Those are words you can find in other translations. And where do we find the instructions? Where do we find the commandments of God? In the word of God. The word of God brings wisdom. Look at what Proverbs says next. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your hearts to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom... From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's interesting how Solomon expands upon what his father, King David, said. David said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the beginning of wisdom, Solomon says, if you receive my words, if you treasure my commandments, then you will understand the fear of God and you'll find knowledge and wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth and knowledge and understanding. There's wisdom in the word of God. Are you with me this morning? Are you still with me? Okay. 
That takes us to our final point. Let's go back again to 2 Timothy 3. We read before that the sacred writings says it makes you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. Now let's read the last two verses of the chapter. These are powerful. You might recognize them. Verse 16, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In Psalms and Proverbs, it says the instructions and the commandments of God give us wisdom. Paul says the sacred writings make us wise. And here, he goes on from saying the sacred writings, the sacred, that, that's the Old Testament. Here, Paul makes it very clear, all scripture is breathed out by God. And that Greek word for breathed out, it is the only time you can find that Greek word in the Bible. And it means that it is inspired by God. It was written by people, but we believe that God inspired each and every word of the Bible. I want to make sure this is very clear as we start. This is something that we talk about in Essentials. That means that we believe the Old Testament and the New Testament are inspired by God. Every single book, every single chapter, every single verse, here at the gathering, we believe every aspect of the Bible is inspired by God, and that's why we can call it the Word of God. We have to be in agreement with this. Let me show you two other scriptures, just so you know this is not the only time it says this in Scripture. Go to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I'm going to rapid fire through these. I'm not going to apologize for having a lot of Scripture on the day that we're talking about Bible, but I'm just letting you know. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the Word of God, which you have heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. This is not the opinion of man. This is the words of God from the Bible. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scriptures comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was actively revealing the work within the prophets and through their lives and circumstances. The Holy Spirit inspired Scripture. And these writers, they, they, they spoke God's Word using their own personalities, their own knowledge, their own background, their own vocabulary. But it's amazing how over and over again, people have tried to disprove the Bible, and they have failed to do so. There's a few articles I found. I'm just going to share a few references here. It said here, critics used to believe that the Bible was wrong because they felt that King David was a legendary mythical character. They pointed to the fact there was no archaeological evidence that King David was an actual historical figure. But then, in 1994, archaeologists discovered an ancient stone slab in northern Galilee that was inscribed with the references to King David and the House of David. Critics used to believe the Bible was wrong because there was no evidence that a group of people called the Hittites ever existed. The Hittite civilization is mentioned 
about 40 times in the Old Testament. And so skeptics were convinced that the, this proved the Bible is a mythical creation of ancient Hebrew writers. But then in 1906, a German archaeologist named Hugo Winkler was excavating in Turkey and discovered the capital city of the ancient Hittite Empire. The entire Hittite library and 10,000 tablets documenting the, the Hittite history. This is just two. There are so many more. I'm not going to read them all for you, but just so you have an idea. There are so many stories, but let me show you one quote from the prestigious Smithsonian Institution's Department of Anthropology. They offered this following statement on the historical reliability of the Old Testament. They said the historical books of the Old Testament are as accurate historical documents as any that we have from antiquity and are, in fact, more accurate than many of the Egyptian, Mesopotamian, or Greek histories. These biblical records can be and are used as are other ancient documents in archaeological work. Now, it's funny. If you read the whole article, they go in to kind of hedge their bets a little bit and say, well, yeah, but this and that. They couldn't quite say it all positive in the Bible. That's okay. We'll take what we can get for now. But as believers, we know that this is not just historically correct. It's that, but it is also God-inspired. And these scripture reference points we talked about show the Bible being the word of God. He, he breathed it out. And this may seem rudimentary for you to know, but I found other people in my life. Back when I worked at Taco Bell, I had a conversation with a, another worker, and he was a Christian. So I was like, oh, we're, you know, we're just kind of going back and forth. And he's like, yeah, I, I love the Bible. I love some of them. Some of the books I don't really believe in, but other books I do. It was like a foreign concept to me. I was like, what? You can't just read one part of a book and say that's good and the rest is, is not good. It's not right. You can't, when you're putting something together, you can't read a manual and say, yeah, that's probably true, but I don't believe any of that's true. You can't, when you're studying for a test, you can't take a textbook and say, yeah, I'll study this part, but I'm not going to study that part and expect to be ready for the whole test. The Bible, the Word of God, is to get you ready for the entire life. It is a life test preparation. That's what the Bible is. You have to believe all parts of it. It's not how it works. You can't just pick and choose. Because when you do that, you begin to compromise your faith and say, well, this is okay to do, but I know that's not okay to do. Well, sure, I can get away with doing this. That's not really, that's not really what they meant back then. Oh, are you a Bible scholar all of a sudden? You know exactly what they meant back then? And there are people that take things literally, and there's, there's things, there is a lot of symbolism in the Bible. I'd rather be wrong taking it too literally than not literally enough. Let's go back to what it says there in 2 Timothy. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. And I love that list. He says it is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction. Last point today, number three, the word of God gives us training. It trains us for righteousness. So that the people of God, yes, I know it says the man of God in that scripture, okay? In the Greek, it means all people, okay? Male and female, that the people of God will be complete, equipped for every good work. We all need training. I don't care if you're 8 years old, 98 years old, you need training. You need to be a lifelong learner of the word of God. 
So we don't know everything. We have to train in righteousness. And our training through the word of God is to complete us. It says it makes us fully prepared. So what does this training look like? What does training in the word of God look like? Well, if I could, I would encourage every single person here to train daily. That means to read daily. If I could, that's, that's what I would encourage every person to do. I know that's difficult. That's a challenge, right? No one's perfect. I, don't, I, I try very hard. I'm close to reading every day, but I don't always hit that mark. But I would encourage you to try to read. If I could encourage you to do one thing, if you're not reading at all or you're at one or two times a week, four times a week, I would encourage you to try to hit four times a week reading the Word of God. And this is what I want to show you why. A few years ago, there was a study that was done by the Center of Biblical Engagement. They polled 40,000 people ages 8 to 80. They wanted to see how people were engaging in Scripture, and they compiled the results of this, and they made a profound discovery, something they weren't even trying to look for when they planned the survey. And the study indicated that when people engage in Scripture one time a week, and this could include something as a pastor telling his congregation to open their Bibles. If they just did it one time a week, there was a, a negligible difference, a negligible effect in key areas of their life. The same result was true if people engaged in the scripture two times a week. If it was three times a week, there was a small bump of what would happen. But when there was four times a week, their eyes were open to see how much, how drastically it changed from three to four. It wasn't a steady climb. That was not the case. Instead, they saw effects spiked in a powerful way. I'm going to list out here some of the different effects of reading the Bible at least four times a week. It said people felt loneliness dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Then let me show you what went up. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. Discipling others jumps 230%. Isn't that amazing? I don't know what the magic is of four. I don't know why that's significant. My guess would be it means there's more days in the week that you're reading the Bible than you're not reading the Bible at that point. That, that's my guess. But we know that the Word of God gives us strength and wisdom and training, but yet we struggle to make it a priority. I saw an article that said when COVID hit in, 20, in 20, 2021, 26 million Americans stopped regularly reading their Bible. It went from 50% of Americans saying that they read their Bible on their own three or four times in a year to 39% saying they read their Bible a few times a year. That is the steepest decline that we've had. And we all say things like, yeah, I just don't have enough time. I'm, I'm on the go. I'm doing things. What was our excuse in COVID? Because we were home a lot. I don't know about you. We were home a lot. 
Sometimes we allow anxiety to overtake us and cripple us and not be willing to grab that Bible in the corner and open it up and read what the Word of God says is. Friends, we cannot afford to give up regular Bible reading. We don't need to decrease it. We need to increase it. I'm about to close here. One last short story. A critic once wrote a letter to a magazine saying, Over the years, I suppose I've gone to church more than a thousand times. And I can't remember the specific content of even one sermon over those many years. What good was it to go to church a thousand times? I hope the pastor didn't read that. And if you feel that way, please just don't tell me. Just keep that to yourself, okay, between you and God. But the next week, someone wrote back. And they said, over the past many years, I've eaten more than a thousand meals prepared by my wife. I can't remember the specific menu of any one of those, but I know that they nourished me along the way, and without them, I would be a much different man. The Bible will do its spiritual work in us if we will let it. I believe you will be a much different person with the Word of God than without the Word of God. You say I'm a much different person if I haven't yet drank my coffee in the morning? You will be a much different person also if you will read the Word of God regularly. I want to ask you as we close this morning, will you take this responsibility to increase reading this year? If you're at a place where you, you're not reading at all, maybe start with once or, once or twice a week. If you're reading it once or twice, maybe up it to three or four times. If you're at four times, three or four times, take it up to four or five. It's very possible. This is not an impossible task. This takes five to ten minutes of your time. It could take more as well, but it doesn't have to. It's a great way to start your day, a great way to end your day. And I'm going to end this morning with this. That's how we're going to close. I'm going to ask you to get your phone out. Yeah, that's right, I said it. Get your phone out. Some of you, some of you have already been like, yeah, I'm there. I've been, I've been on the phone. No. I'm going to ask you to do two things. One, if you have not downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, do that. It is, in my opinion, the best Bible app. You can create a profile. You can connect with other people. You can read plans together. You can read a verse of the day together. If you think you're really cool and you've already done that, all right, let's go to step two. I want you to text one person and ask them to keep you accountable, texting you one time each week to check up on you and say, hey, How's your reading doing? How's it been going this week? That person can be in the room. That person can be a spouse. It can be a friend. It can be someone who's not in this room. I hope I don't get too many text messages after the service asking to be the accountability factor. I will do it for a few of you, but I can't do it for all of you. And you have people in your life that can do it for you. So I'm going to ask you if you'd be willing. If you're struggling to read the Bible and it's a hard thing to do regularly, would you text a loved one and say, hey, would you be willing to help me out this year? Just send me a text once a, once a week and remind me to get in the Word of God. Are you doing that right now? Anybody? One of you? Okay, I'm going to give you another second to do that. As we close, can you stand up and do that at the same time? Can we do that as we close? Is that possible for you to multitask in that way? You know, I was thinking as we're going to this series, Back to the Basics, and What's the order that these should go in? There's, you know, there's reading the word and there's prayer and there's fasting and there's all these things, right? All important things to know. 
And I wanted to get into prayer earlier in the, in the ser- series, but I was like, no, I need to do more research before we get into that. And in a perfect time, I, I was listening to a sermon, I think it was from Belonging Co. Church, and they were talking about the Word of God. And people were like, yeah, I, Matt, I just, I don't want to get into the ancient talks of what the Bible said back then. I need to hear what God is saying for me right now. I need the voice of God right now. Start in the Word of God. I promise you, the voice of God sounds a lot like the Word of God. When you get the Word of God in you, it's going to be easier for you to hear the voice of God right now. As we close today, I'm going to just pray for you. As we take on these, these spiritual disciplines to help us grow in our walk with God this morning. Let's pray together, church. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for just the time to gather as a church and worship you and to read what your word says. God, I pray that this year would be a, a new year where we get into the word of God. It's, it's not something that we do when we have the free time or when it's convenient for us. God, help us to make it a priority in our life to start and or end our day getting in what your word says over us. I pray for each and every person here that we would grow in our walk with Jesus. That's what the church is here to help do, to help empower you in your walk, to live out your walk with God outside of those doors. I pray a blessing over this church, for our kids' ministry, for everyone, as we glorify you in all that we do. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Thanks for being here today. Hope you have a great day. See you again next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.